0: Jamiroquai there, a little love. you running your face on 3CR with James. Well, queer residents in Maribyrnong in Melbourne's west have formed a group to lobby Maribyrnong Council to make the area safer and more inclusive. On the line we have Rick Spencer from Maribyrnong Residents for LGBTIQA Equality. Rick, welcome to the program.
1: Well, hi James and Thank you for having me.
0: It's great to have you on the show, Rick. Always love speaking with you on In Your Face. So what does Maribyrnine Council need to do uh, to make the area safer and more inclusive for
1: queer folks? Okay. So what had happened originally is that um, I had sort of an epiphany in the middle of the night. I was sort of trying to write a chapter in my doctorate and it was about making change. And I thought and I've attended a meeting previously with the, the Greens looking at, you know, with Rainbow Accreditation and councils and how we can make, you know, our suburbs safe spaces so our community can, and take our children and young people who identify you know, within, in the, within the LGB uh, community, how do we all feel safe in our spaces? So we then decided, you know, what I thought was, OK, I put something out on Facebook. And I thought, I want to do something. And I said something like, you know, does anybody else who lives around Maribyrnong Council want to make our spaces more safer for our community? And I was pleasantly surprised. A lot of people were interested. And one of the people that I connected with was Councillor Bernadette Thomas from um, Maribyrnong Council. So we had a chat and started talking and decided to form a group. And we put it out there and we got residents in and we started having a dialogue, you know, through Zoom, the wonderful technology (laughs) Um, we're living during COVID. And we came up with a few ideas of what we kind of thought were important, you know, within our spaces. So we had a look at the current proposal that uh, the Maribyrnong Council is putting forward in their planning. And... You know, they've done a, a few great things, but more needs to be done. And one of the things that, you know, what we really want to do is we want a commitment from the council to develop and implement an LGBTIQA strategy and action plan. And we want this to be achieved by having a uh, advisory co- committee uh, by December of this year.
0: You mentioned the Greens before. So are they part of this push that the Victorian Pride Lobby is campaigning on to make our local government areas in Victoria more inclusive? Like, what's the political backstory to all of this?
1: Well, it's it's one of the arms, I guess, that sort of provides the impetus for us to get together. But it's coming from lived experience as citizens like myself. You know, I've lived in this area for a long time a lot of uh, my friends who have lived in this area, and we, we kind of feel that we want to feel part of the community, especially when you get, you know, over a certain age. You kind of want to feel, make and leave a mark on the city. And, you know, we were talking about, you know, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could have more spaces as you know, and celebrate, you know, our community and contribute to other people within our community, you know, other people different cultures to see what we can bring and show showcase, you know, and it may be through art, it might be through a festival, and it's just celebrating, you know, diversity. Tell us about the
0: queer community in the Maribyrnong area. I imagine the the area has got pretty gentrified in, in the last couple of decades.
1: Yes, and it's a real tricky one, um, James, because, you know... I think the difficulty, how do you quantify it, you know, because I guess we live in a world where we have to provide statistics in order for things to change. I mean, I can tell you that according to the Victorian Population Health Survey that was undertaken uh, two years ago, it found that 6.2 of Maribyrnong residents um, are, in fact, from the LGBTIQA community. But the problem with these statistics is it doesn't capture young people, and especially young people who are with their emerging identities, who identify as queer. And you know, we have we've been fortunate in within these regions that we have had our, you know, the Pride of Footscray, and we have had you know the Bulldog Pride, which is wonderful. And we have a space, but you know, it would be nice to have you know a, a few more spaces. And the idea of just people connecting, you know, having a presence within the libraries just somewhere where we can celebrate, you know, our diverse cultures. We have a very artistic community. And the other thing I just wanted to quickly mention is that I think we have to always realise that people can't, don't just necessarily sit, situate themselves within the suburbs. There is a connection that people come into suburbs. And one of the things that we really want to do is we want to revitalise all of the Maribyrnong area. And we want to have our other queer friends from other suburbs and allies to come into our spaces and, you know, enjoy the wonderful facilities that we do have. And, you know, we've got all these fabulous ideas that we'd love to put on concerts, um, you know, art shows, uh, short plays, you know, and we'd even love to get our young, you know, minus 18 uh, queer community who reside within the the Western suburbs to come and produce some of their own artwork and some musical... um, yeah, extravagant. So there's so much things that can happen, you know, an energy, a vibrant energy that can kind of, you know, just take over, <laughs> you know, become, you know, the quintessential place to go, you know. Forget Sydney um, and and all that, you know, you've got Mardi Gras, which is great, but, you know, why not have something, you know, of this sort of magnitude in Melbourne? But let's reinvigorate it again. Let's create Barclay Street, you know, Rainbow City.
0: And, of course, the timing's really, you know, right for this, isn't it, with um, with Melbourne emerging from, you know, lockdown still and, you know, the pandemic is, you know, still with us. But, you know, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good time to revitalise the community after, after the community's been so isolated.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that I'm finding, especially with our community, is a lot of uh, people, especially trans people, uh, people with intersectional, Uh, Issues such as with a disability have had to be isolated for so long. And it's almost like a sense of, you know, let's do something, let's reemerge. There's an opportunity to, you know, to regroup and, you know, reinvigorate, you know, urban spaces. Um, You know, because the fear is that we can't live in the world of Zoom. You know, we have to move away, we have to connect with each other. And, you know, I just want to see these spaces. You know, we've got lovely Braybrook, we've got Westwood Square, which is where I reside. We've got all these lovely areas that we can do things. You know, having park tours, you know, shows in the park. Oh, I see this there's an abundance of activities that we would love to be. And this is why if we were involved with the council more formally through having a committee, we could have an input into into how things can be. Because after all, we want to make this, these spaces... The best it can be. We want to have businesses come here, and we we want to change certain landscapes within that are that aren't at the moment utilised well to kind of bring people back in. So everyone wants to have a night out in you know whether it be Braybrook, whether it be Footscray, West Footscray, you know Newport, Yarraville. We've got so many beautiful things that we can do, and we've got cafes, we've got you know little theatres. So let us Let's make a hub. You know, we can do a lot of um, exciting things. And it's it's just being part of the community. It's just being having a voice where we can make little changes and leave an identity footprint. So that children growing up who you know who identify you know LGBTIQA can feel, wow, I love my suburb. You know, I feel as though I belong. You know, and I guess it's disrupting. As my thesis, disrupting the heteronormative spaces, but it's disrupting in a positive way. It's connecting. It's you know, we want to be part of the community. And this is our way of, you know, showing the council and all the members of, you know, Maribyrnong, that, you know, we want to be with you. We want to make this a beautiful space.
0: How has Maribyrnong Council reacted to the formation of your queer residence group?
1: Well, look, we've only just been around for about three weeks. Um, You know, we're lucky that we have uh, two councillors at the moment, uh, Bernadette Thomas, uh, who's been wonderful and attended uh, all our meetings. Mm -hmm. And we also have another councillor, but, you know, the name escapes me. Um, But I think it's Simon Crawford. I'm going to bear with his name sometimes. But the, the thing is that it's all about having a presence and, you know, In order to enact change, we really need the support of the community, and it's so important that if everyone, please, please, where it says have your say within the website, to to make a statement, to say why it would be a good thing, you know, to have a specific advisory committee, you know, so that, you know, we can have a strategic and action plan to assist with, you know, implementing services and support. And... As much as I would love every single person from Maribyrnong, you know, I would love it if everybody all around, all the listeners, could go on and just just say, you know what, I'm an ally, and I would love to go into Footscray or within the Maribyrnong spaces if we knew that you will support, you know, all, you know, all people from different um, backgrounds and genders, sexualities, uh, disabilities are welcomed. And wouldn't that be lovely if we could even have a sign at the council, you know, or at the perimeters of the Council to say something like, you know, we welcome everyone into our spaces. That
0: you know, would do a lot, wouldn't it, to break down homophobia and oh, transphobia within the within the broader uh, community?
1: Yes, exactly. And in my work, you know, within schools will hopefully be able to, you know, change. Because if we have such symbols, and all it is just a couple words, it does change the whole narrative you know that we only welcome certain people by saying that you know that we welcome everyone all genders all sexualities you know it it makes a statement to say in this council space everyone's opinion matters everyone's positional view of the world is important to us and that's what we want we just want to be validated
0: because I imagine, as you mentioned before, people with disabilities, older older people within the queer community who, you know, aren't part of, you know, perhaps the the community that kind of, you know, interacts well with each other. Uh, this group sounds really important for getting council to put the mechanisms in place to break down that isolation, which has been magnified by COVID, but was, you know, pre-existent before COVID.
1: That's right, James. And this is something that <clears throat> I'd like to put... Uh to reach out to your listeners and to people who you may know. We want more people to come along and join us. And, you know, it doesn't mean you have to do, you know, do something in terms of a particular activity, but just connecting with us, you know, just listening and putting your ideas. You know, I've got all these visions and things that one of the things I'm also interested in is establishing within this area is, you know, older age retirement sort of facilities for our older community, which I'm a part of, you know, and we want to have spaces where we can live, you know, in an area that we feel safe, that we can express our identity in terms of our gender and sexuality in a safe space without feeling, you know, just taken away and no-one cares about us. And it's the time, you know, we are an ageing population, and it would be wonderful to to have a retirement villages or a village set up around service medical facilities, and then having a lively, you know, coffee shop and spaces where we can connect, you know, with younger people. It just, you know, just have that connection. So, it's I'm hoping that this will start a movement, and I'm really reaching out to people. And you know, even being an ally, come along. You know, it's we want to, It's not. <laughs> You know we 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 have a shared experience of our marginalisation from but we also are more than just our you know gender or sexual identity. you know we are part of a community. and if if you know you want to come and make a difference in a positive way and support us in making you know this whole suburb safer and planning for the future to make sure that you know we you know we we do have. Safe spaces in schools in this area, uh, doctors uh, the businesses and you know it, everybody will then you know come on board with us but you know James I, I went out today and I was just looking outside and I thought, you know what I love living here you know I love being in Westwoodcrae. We've got the beautiful birds that come out we've got beautiful gardens you know I've got lovely parks to walk through and I thought, you know, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could have events like in the parks, you know, local parks, and encourage our young queer community and even our older queer community to put on, like, poetry sessions, poetry reading, or having, you know, lovely book clubs that we could get together, or just having a chat. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could organise, like, chats in the park, like things that used to occur a 100 years ago, where we could get a yarn and come together, and just talk about what life was like and what life could be. You know, it's. I just think that. You know, I just want to move away from Zoom. I think, I think COVID nineteen has, if anything, has shown me that. You know, human connection is the future. You know, this is what we really need to do.
0: Absolutely, Rick. How can people get in contact with Maribyrnong residents for LGBTIQA equality?
1: Well, with on our fly on our Facebook site. But people are more than welcome to contact me directly um, with my email, uh, rick at or find us on Facebook or Google us. Um, and, you know, we've got our group. Come and join us. We meet every second Thursday via Zoom at the moment. Um, and then gradually we'll probably look to use some of the spaces within the community. Because one of the things we would love to do is to, you know, we want to support our local communities. So we would like to go to coffee shops and patronise, you know, use services and give back to the community where we can. But the other important event, which is, as you know, the International Day Against Homophobia and Transphobia, with the event that Bulldogs and the Council are having at the Maribyrnong um, Aquatic Centre on the 5th. 15th of May on the Saturday. If people would like to, to come along to that at uh, 6.30 till 9, I will be there. I will have... i will be love to chat to a few people. But also, James, the main message is please get on that website. We have till the 19th of May of this year to, to put it in for the submissions so it gets tabled in for the following council meeting. To and be, that website uh, is? Where to fight. Oh, well, it's just a bit on... Council, or you can email councilplan, one word, at maribyrnong.bic.gov.au
0: Fantastic. Rick Spence, always great to chat with you on 3CR. Thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Oh, thank you, James, and everyone listening. You know, we can do it, you know. It, it, all it takes is just an idea. And if you're like me, and you sometimes feel a bit lonely, well, let's all connect, you know, and let's all get meet people and you know, we can have a chat, some, you know, as a whole big community. And, you know, let's get involved, you know, let's be part of this council and, you know, let's have our
2: presence, you know, being
0: Absolutely. Recognised. Well put, well said. Ricky, thank you so much for joining me. It's always great to chat. Thanks, James. Rick Spencer there from Maribyrnong Residence for LGBTQIA equality. You are on In Your Face on 3CR and here's Massive Attack. This track's called Safe From Harm. at you. Massive attack there, safe from harm, you are and in your face on 3CR with James. Well, a group of peak community organisations in Victoria have signed on to an Embracing Equality Charter to address inequalities faced by LGBTIQ folks. Sam Biondo is the Executive Director of the Victorian Alcohol and Drug Association, one of the organisations that signed up, and he joins us on the line. Sam, welcome to the show.
2: Hi, James.
0: Sam, it's great to chat with you uh, after all these years. Um, tell us a bit about this charter and what the organisations are committing to.
2: Well, it's been developed by a coalition. There's about eight uh, current um, charter members, and, and there's a growing list of other people that will be coming on board. Uh, very large community-based organisations, such as the Centre for Excellence, Children and Family, the uh, Victorian Aboriginal uh, Children and Young People's Alliance, Youth Affairs Council, Council of Homeless, Victoria Health Care Association, Trades Hall uh, and Mental Health Victoria. And it, it's, it's really to try and um, get some movement on getting some funding support and some um, on-the-ground specific purpose uh, program activity to help address uh, a, a range of uh, health and wellbeing issues impacting the LGBTI. Q plus community um, and as you know uh, there are many uh, it's, it's a resilient community but there are many many uh, wellbeing issues in that community
0: and of course these organisations are really at the coalface aren't they with the organisations that kind of you know uh, they provide services with and uh, also to uh, it's it's a big job that they've got to address well
2: it, it, it's 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 a real cross-sector endeavour to try and get this uh, this charter happening and getting other people to sign on. We must see some action in this. Uh, if anyone's familiar with uh, some of the work that's been coming out of uh, La Trobe University uh, and some of the um, surveys have been running and reports being done, uh, Private Lives 3 and writing themselves in uh, reports, uh, the... The amount of morbidity, um, the complexity of issues is significant mental health issues, uh, suicide, alcohol and drug problems, we uh, name it. It's, it's a big, big issue that needs to be addressed. And there's no one agency that can address this, but uh, we think that there's an important need to develop specific purpose agencies uh, run by the community, LGBTIQ plus community, but we also think that, on uh, mainstream services to do their work a lot better as well.
0: Absolutely. So how has the Victorian government reacted to the establishment of this charter? Uh, I imagine they welcome it, but do they see it as a bit of a political thorn in their side because they have done so much uh, to support the queer community? Like, um, how have they reacted? Look, uh, I, you
2: know, it, it's only early days yet, but I think there's been positive noises um, in you know the formality of approaching them formally um, uh, is not uh, happen in that formal sense, but there has been a series of conversations with the uh, key people uh, who are really uh, quite positive about and who really understand the problem and have identified that uh, something needs to be done.
0: So you're the executive director of the Victorian Alcohol and Drug Association. Tell us about your organisation's work.
2: Well, we we are the representative body for the treatment services across Victoria. There's about 87 of them on the ground. There's probably 2,000 people working in there. It's a complex system both to deal with the fundamental problem that people present with and, unfortunately, it's complex to also get into. So we have a range of services across community-based hospitals, uh, residential rehab, detoxes, Uh, Aboriginal community-focused, youth-focused. So it's a very uh, dynamic, complex space, uh, broad range of skills involved, extremely complex problems that we're dealing with, both on the policy side and in the face-to-face treatment side. So you're
0: really working in an area that probably needs a lot more funding and uh, works with some of the most marginalised people, not just in the queer community but in the broader community as well.
2: Oh, definitely. It's uh, You know, we're the poor cousin of the poor cousin, which used to be the mental health system. Uh, <laughs> so we're still the poor cousins, <laughs> if you know what I mean. And uh, the, the, there's, a, there's a pent-up demand across Australia of somewhere between 200,000 and 500,000 individuals who would need access to treatment and aren't getting it on a, on a yearly basis. That's nationally and the, you know, to tell you the truth, the LGBTI community is very much caught up um, in, that, in, the, in that demand that isn't being met. So we're very eager to see some specific purpose funds come in uh, to be spent uh, adequately across the mainstream, mainstream system, of course, but across the, the uh, you know the rainbow community where they uh, have a much closer access to people who are seeking this sort of help.
0: And I imagine one of the big barriers and challenges your services face is that there's just not enough funding for, for beds for rehab or programs for rehab, and the waiting list must be pretty huge, I would imagine.
2: Oh, James, it's, it's, um, it's unreal. Uh, we, we have significant waiting lists that have arisen from uh, the COVID sort of uh, period where, and we've also got 200,000 cases uh, waiting to be processed through the courts many of which uh, many individuals which will be directed into our treatment service just burdening the waiting list even further Um, while Beards isn't everyone's solution it can be a significant lifesaver for those who get access and it's really um, the system actually needs uh, to be refined in terms of streamlining it so that it can work more effectively the connections with the courts and the primary health area. Uh, there's a range of communities, such as Coles Community, um, the Rainbow the Community, that are getting uh, the specific purpose, um, customised support that they may need as well. Uh, so there's a lot to do.
0: Absolutely. I mean, we must be talking about hundreds of millions of dollars in the drug and alcohol field that would be required by the state government in order to make uh, the service delivery response adequate.
2: Well, when you when you think of it, um, uh, you know, it is a multi-hundred million dollar uh, operation at the moment. When you think of the profits being generated by the alcohol industry and by the illegal um, drug industry and the pharmaceuticals and the impacts they have, we're really just a drop in the ocean of what's required. The the current investment really just cannot compete with those drivers that create the demand. Uh, Alcohol is still the significant number one issue, uh, followed by and benzodiazepines, pharmaceutical drugs. Extremely difficult to uh, extract yourself from. Uh, um, uh, they've been uh, top, one of the top killers over the past decade. It's still a significant factor. And then, of course, all the illicit substances, um, which are too many to name, really.
0: So why hasn't the government put more money into this? Is it because you're dealing with some of the most marginalised and stigmatised people in the community? I imagine that stigma is a big factor uh, in your work, which makes it very hard to treat people, but also to get the resources from government to be able to treat them.
2: Well, so many drivers of actually fighting against people coming in to get help. People blame themselves for their problems. They're embarrassed. They... They want the problem to go away, but they're too scared to come out and ask for assistance. Uh, You can imagine what it's like in isolated rural communities. Um, People need to face up, one, to their internal demons, then the stigma associated with the issue, uh, and then actually have the wherewithal to access a complex service system that can help them. And then there's waiting lists and intakes and assessment procedures all of which add up to complications. It's not easy, but um, people are there, they can help, they can advise, and the treatment that's offered um, works. Many people are assisted to deal with their issue, and that's the important thing. So they shouldn't give up, and they, they should make an approach and uh, you know, set the wheels of recovery in motion.
0: Absolutely, and I imagine that uh, the LGBTIQ community is over-represented in the statistics of uh, people that your organisation deals with.
2: Yes, there's a large portion that is, and I I think there is a larger portion that doesn't seek the help, and that's really who we need to get to, and that's both across mainstream and specific for purpose. Um, alcohol and drug-funded organisations that need to have access uh, to to the resources to provide service. Um, And looking at the data around this, the the community is really up there in terms of smoking, alcohol, drug use, uh, and it's, it's really devastating. And when you combine it with some of the mental health numbers, and the attempted suicides and the successful suicides, it's, there's a lot, a lot of significant issues in the, in the uh, rainbow
0: community. Absolutely. And I imagine, you know, as, as you said before, you know, mental health really intersects with drug and alcohol.
2: Yes. Uh, we, have, you know, we, we refer to dual diagnosis as a very strong linkage. Um, something like about uh, 70% of people in Victorian prisons have some form of dual diagnosis, uh, which is related to alcohol and drug use and a mental health issue. Many of our services um, have to deal with the, the, the problems, uh, a lot of anxiety and depression. Um, there's a lot of trauma in these people's lives. And when we talk about uh, alcohol and drugs uh, and often uh, mental health, Really, what we're dealing with is someone who's traumatized. So there's a lot of focus on trauma-informed care. Uh, a, a lot of uh, specialist knowledge goes into working with people um, and people in general uh, who get access uh, do get better.
0: It almost sounds like we need a Royal Commission into, uh, you know, service delivery in relation to alcohol and drug recovery. I know we have had the Mental Health Royal Commission, and I imagine your organisation made a submission, uh, so some of these issues will come out. Uh, It sounds like the government needs a bit of a kick up the backside to adequately address, you know, what needs to be done.
2: Uh, Honestly, it is a huge issue, and... Uh, yeah, mental health was also a, a very huge issue but it just goes to show that despite its complexity and its and how big it was uh, Royal commissions can start to clarify uh, the issue and and start to address the problems if you consider the forces at play with any alcohol and drug issue in the community um, often the things that could be done the pragmatic solutions aren't pursued because they're not popular with government, yet they work, and we need to get into a position where we implement uh, pragmatic, evidence-based policies uh, more than we just throw a lot of money at things that don't work. Um, uh, There's overseas jurisdictions like in Portugal and Netherlands and Norway where they focus on pragmatic solutions that can make a difference, and we do a bit of that, and we're pretty good on some of the harm reduction side of it. Uh, but we still pursue, um, let's say in the alcohol space, uh, an overabundance of ways to purchase, to have it delivered, to consume. Uh, There's a whole range of cultural predisposition to using alcohol uh, and a lot of uh, stigma if you don't. So we need, need to move that culture around a fair bit, and that takes a lot of effort.
0: Absolutely, it's almost as if some of these big corporations need to be paying a treatment and recovery levy to assist government to address the problems that they've caused
2: Well, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a strong supporter of hypothecation and that, that's what I think you're describing and uh, I reckon the industry itself should fork up a, a fair bit more in taxes which could then be diverted into building the sort of treatment system that uh, the Australian community deserves
0: Absolutely. Sam Biondo, thank you so much for chatting with me today on 3CR, and hopefully, some more organisations will sign up to the Embracing Equality Charter, uh, which your organisation, the Victorian Alcohol and Drug Association, has done. Thank you so much for joining me today.
2: Pleasure to speak with you, James. Cheerio. 3CR.